the point is, you just have a reconstitution, David, and I think you were being very kind. I call it a regurgitation, okay? Um, and what you see here is these are uh, numbers, and I'll get to them. This is supposed to be, for minority votes, this is called a, a Keschel factor, a Python factor. And I hope these people do not you know, understand how some of the data is being misused here, and I'll, I'll come back to it. This fingerprint um, is apparently a, uh, an imprimatur for when fraud is taking place, okay? But the bottom line is this was all branded as a very, very highfalutin term called kinematic artifact detection. And I think people funded this, kinematic artifact detection. Bottom line is it's simply a reconstitution of the data in the Canvas report. That's my point, Joe and David. Um, there are people who do serious work. When I see the word kinematic, it's coming out of, you know, kinematics, okay? There's no kinematic here. This is purely. Yeah, and the reason, frankly, the reason why I wanted to ask you that question, Dr. Shiva, is for this reason. When I think of uh, Jeffrey Filia Pulitzer's work on what he's talking about, kinematics, we've been, we've been told about, about paper analysis, paper analysis. And, and it appears that what you're showing us here has nothing to do with paper analysis, but it's misleading because we've been told that the kinematic artifact detection has to do with the examination of the paper. Um, based on what I've said, um, am I just, am I reading this wrong or does this in fact have something to do with the paper? Well, if you want to do paper analysis, analyzing the Maricopa County's canvas paper, what they reported and putting it into this chart. Okay. This is, and then drawing a graph here, you know, this is literally out of the Maricopa report. This is out of the Maricopa report. This is out of the Maricopa report. This is out of the uh, Maricopa report. These are some mnemonics here. This is out of the Maricopa report. Okay. This is, there's no kinematic artifact detection. Okay. It's purely a regurgitation of the Maricopa report. That is the, remember when you were a kid, you get those little spy glasses and the cereal thing and you put it over to figure out what was really being said. So I'm telling you, when you put the spyglass over here, the decoding is it's a pure regurgitation of the Maricopa report. It is not kinematic artifact detection. Okay. Period. Okay. So Roger that. Over here, you have the accepted codes, you have the rejected codes, and you simply have a graph saying percent rejected and accepted. Okay. This interesting imprimatur is created uh, to denote fraud. Okay. And the viewer, when they look through this stuff, if they see this, they may say, oh, my God, there's fraud taking place here. OK, so this is almost like a childish imprimatur that's put to denote fraud. OK, there's no fraud here. It's simply a restatement of the Maricopa canvas report. This report looks at 2020. This is simply the 2020 data and the 2016. And the author of this goes on to claim, you know, we have evidence of fraud because you have this thing, because in these provisional ballots in 2020, there were six which were accepted, 16 which were, uh, sorry, 13 which were rejected. But in 2016, 43 were accepted and 18 were rejected. But because the percentage is higher here versus here, right, that were rejected, Therefore, there's some serious fraud taking place when the reality is the total number of provisional ballots has gone down than the previous year. 
and more importantly, the actual numbers have dropped. And the reason is, and I'll go through this, and this shows an individual who participated in this got, as I understand, paid good money for doing this and doesn't understand the fundamentals of a provisional ballot. Provisionals, the assumption of this author is they only impact election day voters. It's absolutely false. So the assumption is that provisionals only occur on election day. That's not true. The reality is in Maricopa, if one had actually studied this, early in-person voting resulted in provisional ballots. So to everyone listening, you could definitely on election day, you could do a provisional, but even several days, weeks before that, you could go early voting in person, and that too could result in a provisional. But one of the most important things was that provisional rejection rates increased from 2016 to 2020 is the claim. That's false. In Maricopa, implemented something called real-time provisionals, which, by the way, I don't care for, and, and a bunch of us in our institute, we've talked about, we don't think this is a good thing. And in 2020, which significantly decreased the number of provisional ballots, and that's what you see here. You see, in this precinct, we went from 51 or 61 provisionals to 19. Everyone see that? Because what they did was they had this thing called real-time provisionals. But to call this report kinematic artifact detection is just utter rubbish. And this is, again, a regurgitation of the data posted in the Maricopa County Recorder's website. Let me go to something else, and we're going to get into something. Again, to the audience listening, the goal here is to recognize that all of this stuff, there's nothing here, everyone. There are real substantive issues. And if you're funding this, I feel that you're being victimized. And that's why we want to alert people to this. Now, let's talk about turnout counts. So, David, you asked one of the numbers here is turnout, okay? Turnout percentage. And it's listed right here. And the individual listed this made, uh, Mr. JP stated, and you can go look at it at five minutes, 40 seconds in this Rumble video, the direct quote, and I'm quoting this says, international standards, government standards, and exactly what the MITRE report released. And MITRE is right here in Massachusetts. Uh, in the current Biden administration, it says anything over 72% in turnout is considered suspicious. Okay, so let me read that again. It says, according to this individual, that international standards, government standards, and exactly what the MITRE report released in the current Biden report, it's, it says anything over 72% in a turnout, it's considered suspicious. And you can go look at it. So the individual who has put together this stuff is asserting that if there's 72% or over in turnout, that's considered suspicious. And he's quoting a citation. Look, in science, you better make, and in engineering, you better quote properly, okay? You get pa papers rejected. You get papers retracted for doing this kind of stuff. The MITRE report, we went and looked at it, released on February 20, 2021, and it's called Data Analytics to Enhance Election Transparency. It does not say that turnout over 72% is suspicious. And Joe and David, I encourage you, if you have conversations, uh, you should ask, this gentleman should be asked to provide the source of the assertion regarding quote unquote international government standards. I'd really like to find this because I couldn't find it here, okay? But more importantly, if you actually go look at the data, and I highlighted all the presidential years, what do you see, Joe and David? It's 
70, what, five, 79%, 74%, 74%. These are the presidential years, 77, 77, 71, right? So the bottom line is that it's not suspicious. In fact, the data shows that it is important to note that the turnout, by the way, is measured in two ways, right? It's me- sometimes measured as a percentage of the citizen voting age population, CVAP, but more commonly as a percentage of the registered voters. But the bottom line is on presidential years, it is typically over 70%. Everyone see that? All right, so there's a nothing burger here. Um, So the turnout, again, is spotlighted. So when you see 77, this fingerprint is put on these reports, alerting the reader, and I hope this wasn't submitted to the attorney general, frankly, because the attorney general's office wants real issues. And if they get crap like this, I'm sorry to say that's what it is. They're going to think this entire audit was just garbage. Okay. But putting stuff like this, this is not an issue. Now, this gets something really interesting. We've heard of ghost voters, right, David? And and this is a serious issue. There are potentially real ghost voters, right? But if we make assertions of quote unquote ghost voters and we brand it, I think this was called the Python score, okay? When it's nothing there, it's gonna actually reduce the credibility of when people actually wanna go do ghost voter analysis. So let me give you the example here. There is a score up on the upper right. And by the way, when you look at this, and by the way, it was actually called registration anomaly spelled like this, okay? Um, and it says the Python rating, and um, I hope whoever this individual is uh, does some cease and desist because this person's name is actually being misused. But it says that the ghost voter rating here is 87.3%. So what do I mean? So if you look at this, this is a precinct, 0639, the Sun Devil precinct. And in this precinct, apparently there are... Can you see that? 87.3% of people in this precinct are ghost voters. Pretty high, isn't it? Yes. So, and so the registered voters in this precinct are 1820, and those who voted are 1417. So if you divide uh, 1,237 divided by 1417, you get this number, okay? And therefore, this is branded as some serious fraud. Well, let's, we went in and we did some analysis on this. According to the individual in question here, a definition of a ghost voter per their definition is a voter appearing on voter registration. So that means Bill Smith at one main street appears in voter registration. Okay. So if you went to the voter registration, there's Bill Smith on one main street, but not appearing in any other public reports. So Bill Smith at one main street does not appear on an electric bill or no vehicle registration or other public reports. According to this definition, that would be a ghost voter. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So by applying that definition, what this analysis here did using this Python scoring was using this precinct 639, we went and looked it up in the Maricopa County Recorder's website. And this is that precinct. Do you see this, David? It's it's almost a block, right? So this is the actual evidence one of the members on our institute's team did. We went and actually looked it up and we saw this here. Well, guess what this is? This is actually Arizona State University. 
It's the actual university. And if you look here, it's frankly totally reckless to call these ghost voters. Why? Because it's completely misrepresenting university students as ghost voters. Because defining a ghost voter as any voter on the rolls who does not have a match in a public records request is flawed. So for example, if you have Jane Doe, who is a freshman or a junior or something and lives at one University Avenue at the dormitory on Arizona State University with no electric bill or no vehicle registration, that's the analysis that they did here, they would be branded as a ghost voter, which means any young person, freshman or sophomore, who doesn't, you know, most freshmen or sophomore probably don't have an electric bill, right? They would be all branded as ghost voters. And that's how you get this flawed analysis, okay? So if we're, if the election integrity movement is branding this at such a high number, this is like open territory for anyone to just destroy this, okay? So this is, in my view, egregious ignorance. And it impacts for those of us, frankly, the credibility of actual ghost voter analysis. Because if you put out thousands of pages of this, as I understand was put out, this really hurts the sincerity of real election integrity analysts. And then this is put out there. I thought it was a Pac-Man thing initially. I didn't know what this was. Sorry about that. But you can see all these numbers here and it's frankly just rubbish, okay? I hate to say it, okay? I can't decipher this. Um, it just is made so complicated that no one even knows what is going on here. Okay, but I've hopefully deciphered some of it. Finally, I wanna end with, I mean, there's many, many cases like this. I, to, the goal of this is to open up the viewers out there to recognize that we have problems when people are just putting, frankly, this nonsense out there, self-promoting. And I hope, I, and I'll get to these, the people who are funding this. So there was a claim made by the same individual, radioactive isotopes were used on ballot paper. It's absolutely false radioactive isotopes were used on ballot paper. Okay, the reality is this is absolutely false because the manufacturer of the ballot paper does not use radioactive isotopes. In fact, a FOIA was done by one of our people and that revealed receipts for purchases that show that Maricopa County did not purchase the vote secure paper with the GR tag it. That's what it really is. In fact, it's not radioactive, but it's infrared, okay? And so zero Maricopa ballots had that what's called the tagant that is used in some of the Roland paper. So it's irrelevant that the detection was not used on the machines. And by the way, this was hyped up and hyped up for, you know, on social media as though there was some big issue here. And I think people donated money for this. So the hyperboles on social media, but frankly, it's just nonsense. Now, I want to talk about a couple of other things. Um, you know, uh, I know, David, you went to the cyber symposium. I went there and this is and one of the things we noticed there was that we were waiting for the big thing. I actually spoke about the censorship issue. But at the end of that event, if you remember, David, I don't know if you were Joe, this data came out saying how much Trump votes were different than what was reported. And as the data came out, so on one column was the votes that were reported by state. And another column was apparently what happened from China or someone attacking our elections. And when you listed them and you simply did a simple division, it was exactly 4.2% for nearly every state. So if someone did cheating, it looks like they just knew the number 4.2. And I was on Steve Bannon's show 
I said, Steve, this seems highly improbable. It looks like someone gave Mike Lindell a lot of, frankly, ridiculous data. Or the guy read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and thought the answer was 42 and divided by 10. But again, it's this kind of stuff where people need to do what you just said, Joe, peer review. You simply yeah. put up these numbers to do a simple It's called division. critical proofing. And, and frankly, in technology, if you don't have a quality control system, and regardless of how this information, if this information, I want everybody to understand, if this information gets to the AG, you put this information in front of the AG, he goes through the report, he's going to start indictments, ask for a decertification, go through this stuff. It's not going to take him very long to get to the bottom of what you're actually talking about. So this peer review, I think, is the critical step in the election audit. It's one of the one of the things that I was critical about from day one in the Maricopa County audit because I felt that this singular pathway with singular experts that are doing singular work does not allow for proofing. And if you don't do proofing, if you don't have peer review, frankly, uh, if I were Brnovich, I would be scared to death that I'm going to be putting a nothing burger in front of a uh, you know grand jury and I'm SOL. Right. Well, yeah, let, think, me, I think let me add something really quick. If, I'm, if I'm I may. sorry, Joe. David, one, one point. One of the things is the, mo the model of sciences, you know, I've published papers in some of the leading journals. Those papers have sometimes taken me three years to get published. You publish something. You know, I, I recently published a paper where uh, half of the reviewers said this is brilliant work and the other half trashed me, you know, which yeah. is fine. And then I had to openly accept that and I had to write back a response, a 20 page response, educating them. And then it got finally accepted. It's been one of the most cited papers now in the field. But this process of where you put something out. Uh, in fact, when I put up the 99 page report, uh, one of the journalists, uh, quote unquote journalists, the county didn't directly attack it. They used a journalism to attack me. And I and then I wrote it back a 67 page response. OK, it took me all night. Right. This is what you do. And I went through every sentence and every line and say, wrong, wrong. And this is where you're mistaken. This process ultimately lets you get to the truth. And this is a rigor the true election systems integrity movement needs. And it cannot be a big grift to just hype people up. I'm sorry, David, go ahead. Well, that was one of my concerns was as an advocate, as a lawyer, I'm trying to get the case moved ahead to fix 2020. Whatever the truth is, we got to go there. And one of the problems in advocating is that there's a lot of secrecy. And some people would raise up non-disclosure agreements as the reason why they couldn't provide their findings. And JP was one of the people that talked about not producing his findings because of an NDA. I had access to one of his kinematic artifact the detection reports on August 26th that was prepared for the Senate. I had a copy of that. And I was very troubled at how hard it was to decipher many of the things that you talked about today. It, it was very, very difficult. Usually you have tables, appendices, figures, and things and references that will take you someplace where you can, you can learn, especially if the whole point of the report is to assist someone and provide clarity. Now, you also had another one that was released September 14th, well, it wasn't released to the public, but it was September 14, 2021, released to the Senate. JP just recently produced that uh, report about a week ago on Telegram. And so a lot of people are very upset. Like, why are we bringing it up now? Because a lot of us couldn't have access to these reports. And now that you're finding out that we've got access to them, look what we're doing now. We're going through them 
on a podcast and we're finding issue after issue after issue. And I think the point to what Joe and what Dr. Sheba are saying is that this should have happened well before a report was produced and given to the Senate. That's that's the point here. Um, but the secrecy did not help because there were there weren't the quality control measures that were necessary in the first place. The fact that you have an attorney that just happened to be lucky enough to talk with Joe Oltman and Dr. Shiva and find this stuff out now, it, it's crucial why we wanted to bring this, this presentation to to Joe's viewers, your viewers, my viewers, because we have to write the ship in in how we approach our audits going forward. So a lot of people came after me about division. It's not about division. This is really about truth. This is a truth seeking mission. And unless we get to all of the truth, uh, we, we basically have a disservice to a lot of folks that put in the time from the scientific front, but also those that fund it. You know, there's a lot of people that need to realize that I help fundraise upwards of $280,000 for this audit. And when we find out this is what we get back in return, it's disheartening. And so we've got to correct the ship and we have to restore credibility. So if we ask people to fund audits in the future, that there's a level of trust. And, and that's what my purpose is for, for purposes of tonight is to restore that trust with experts like Dr. Shiva. And, and those are just my, a few of my comments and observations. So, so just, just so I can be trans, transparent really quick. I, I, I actually put in a little over $30,000 into this audit. Um, and so I did it because I wanted to get to the bottom of the fraud that I know exists. And um, Dr. Shiva, I, I appreciate this because peer review to me, it's not about ego to me, right? I'm a subject matter expert on uh, system architecture and uh, I, I built an AI platform. I know what neural networks are and neural nets are. I've, I, I understand what machine learning is. I know the difference between the two because they're not the same thing. And so you see that interchanged, even in people that are in the tech world, they interchange things about, oh, this is an AI platform. No, it's not. It's a machine learning platform that's an if-then. <laughs> rudimentary, I could do it on a computer back in 1985. But the, you, have, you have different um, different things that are placed out there, and I like to separate things and, and I guess eliminate the white noise and get down to what I call deviations. Right? Yes. I mean, I think, Joe, I think that's a real thing. I mean, the reality is to... To everyone listening, we're talking about a vocal minority actually ruins it for the rest of the people, okay? There are real substantive issues. And I want to emphasize this. I want to say this again. There are real substantive issues on election systems integrity. And when someone sucks the oxygen out of the room and actually believes hype is more important than truth and makes commentary like that and believes that, and believes that's a modus operandi and has probably gotten away with it. This is not a good way to be a human being in my view, okay? But separate from that, what I've come to the conclusion is there's three sides to everything nowadays. There's the people who deny stuff, the establishment. There's the grifters who make up fake problems to or fake solutions to real problems or deny them. And then there's the people who actually are doing the hard work in a very non-sexy, non-hyperbolic, you know, uh, 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 way. And there are real issues as we laid out. And I can't overemphasize that. The reason we're, this is again, a multi-part series that I hope to do. I've been very busy on a number of other areas, finishing up actually two papers. So I haven't had a chance to be on social media. And I wanna let people know when people found out that I was gonna be on Joe and your show, I got calls saying, I understand you're, I haven't even put anything on social media. It's the first time I'm doing this. 
uh, I take this very seriously. Um, every, you know, when I was uh, at MIT, Joe and, and David, I had a professor who was a, a, a PhD in uh, kinematics, real kinematics, and a, and a PhD in literature. And he said, Shiva, when you write a paper, a scientific paper, you better write it that an eighth grader can understand it. If you make a figure, make the figure easy to understand. What is in the figure? Put a proper caption, proper labels, proper titles. That's when I want to go back to this document. When I look at this, it's freaking laughable. I mean, this is like seriously embarrassing. I, I've been very kind here, but the best word I could see here was rubbish. I'm not sure what this is. This is it's not even written for an eighth grader. It's written for a negative eighth grader. Okay. It is absolute garbage. So my point is, there are people who do serious work, Joe. And David, when you write a document, I mean, I will spend hours and you can talk to colleagues of mine, we will spend hours looking at a figure. Oh, my God, is that figure right? Did I do it right? Is that period right? Right? Is it figged? You know, I mean, just very subtle things because you want someone to look at that figure and immediately appreciate it. This should not require. I don't even know what this is. And even if you did know it, there's probably a simpler way to represent it. And when you unravel it, it, it is being presented as kinematic artifact detection. Frankly, it's just bullshit. OK, sorry, I have to use that term. Let me finish up with this. Now. What I've just shared with you is just egregious examples. There are people who are taking data. You talked about neural nets, machine learning, yep. input output, and you fit a line to a curve. And they said, oh my God, I'm finding this amazing pattern. And I've had discourse with some of these people, well-meaning people, but fitting a line to a curve, no matter how, or, how high order those polynomials are, does not mean that's indicative of fraud. You have fit a curve to a set of points. And you can always find a reasonable fit unless the data is highly random. Okay, so we can have a discussion. I invite those people to have a discourse on this. Let me also mention this. One of um, the people who worked on the ground, a serious investigator, they found random dots that do appear on ballots. The individual in question, as we said, put out big news saying that they're MIC codes on the ballot, pure misinformation. So the serious investigator on this issue has been Could chasing Could you explain what a MIC code is? Yeah, so most it, people don't understand what a MIC code is. It's, it's literally a code, you know, that's put on there, okay, to identify a particular ballot, okay? It's a unique identifier of sorts, okay? But what the auditors, the investigators on the ground who did the real work they were noticing that there were these yellow dots that do appear in random. The individual in question said, no, 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 these are MIC codes, meaning there's some, you know, codes, on, you know, on, on the ballots. So these serious auditors, they've been, they asked repeatedly over and over, over again. Um, they're, uh, by the way, known as a machine identifier codes, M-I-C, machine identifier codes. That's what MIC stands for, okay? And they have been asking for the microscope images on the ballots so they could actually review these yellow dots to find out 
were there fraudulent ballots or non-fraudulent ballots. And to this date, they have not been given those microscope images stating some issue with disk drives. And the reason I bring this up is this is essentially what I went through. I was hired in June, starting in June, signed the contract when I was first brought in. I mean, we have the technology here to do this like this to get the ballot images. As I, as it's just public now, we were given corrupt images. The county was blamed for this. I've come to find out month, uh, uh, less than four weeks ago that they've, when they mean they, the people doing the audits, actually had the ballot images in their possession since April. So I really have to ask why I didn't receive them and why I had to jump through hoops to get the ballot images because the ballot images should have been done first. Again, paper ballots become ballot images. You, uh, you, you compare the ballot images to the CVR codes. We've done them. It took us about 10 days to do it. Okay. Uh, and we'll be releasing that report and funding was allocated for that. We never saw the money. Yeah. Okay. So we have to ask why, but let me finish by this to the funders of this, whether you were a donor, whether you gave $10,000, whether I gave millions of dollars worth of my time, or whether you gave tens of millions, I don't know what the numbers were, but this is a fundamental issue. The funders need to ask your question, are you just a victim or are you an enabler? Because of false claims and erroneous statements, you know, you know, they really shift desperately needed resources. Again, I can't overemphasize there are big, big elephants in the room here that are serious issues of fraud that should be prosecuted and they are desperately taking those resources away from legitimate investigations and fact-finding efforts to false allegations and enabling these self-promoters. These people, those people who fund and provide resources to advance the election integrity movement must stop supporting these unsubstantiated claims. There are, again, for the nth time, I wanna emphasize there are real and substantiated substantive issues in election systems integrity that go beyond left and right and have to be resolved. So that's really the core of what I wanted to share, at least in this first series. So, so um, I, I wanna tell you because I sat through this um, class and, and actually my friend just sent it to me. It talks about the primal brain first. So the, the cognitive overload, which you like to concentrate on the factual basis of things. And some people get lost in that. So I'm gonna try and simplify a little bit of this for people. Um, when, when, first of all, I have to ask you this question because it's coming up probably a thousand times. There's probably 3,000 comments. And that is, do you believe that the fraud occurred in the machines? Well, my view on this is the following, okay? And I said this and I maintain this, and this is why I believe that we need to reset on where the real issues are. Let me just go back to this to answer that question, okay? If I can just take one moment here. Let me go back here. When I started at the outset of this, I want to redirect people to, and we'll come back to this, you know, probably next time we do this. Um, you're asking a very, very important question, Joe. So when you look at the machines, right? Mm -hmm. They're part of a large systems process. That's where I started, right. an engineering right. systems process. So you have stuff coming in and you have input and output, and you have this big black box, right? right. Called the voting system. Well, what comes in? Voters come in and you get votes being cast, okay? And these go through a set of processes, one of them being machines, okay? 
even if you were to eliminate all the machines, you still have substantial issues of ballot chain uh, chain of custody. Okay, right. You have substantial issues on how all these processes are being done. I have still yet to receive a detailed SOP on how signature verification is done. One of our people got a FOIA through a FOIA, but it's not anything detailed. We don't know how curing is done. We don't know if the 27 point algorithm is being executed. You see the the lack, the opacity in this is is quite remarkable on such a process. How are election personnel trained? Yeah, so um, when, when when you when you bring up the things that you bring up, I look at I look at the behavioral deviations, the um, deviations of law, de de deviations of behavior, deviations of technology, and then deviations of math and science. And I actually believe, and, and I've and I've said this before, and and I have proof of this, and I would love to actually sit down with you and walk through this with you. But um, I have that that the system itself is there are some certain things that have come up in Mesa County that have come up in Maricopa County. There's things that they've stopped you from getting access to. And I take a whiteboard and I create this huge whiteboard. And on that whiteboard, I put all the information that is related to the auction that could be relevant to one of those deviations that would lead to the system being able to defraud the voter. I believe that there are small cons and big cons. So there are things that are happening that create a, hey, look over there type mentality that can, that can stop you from seeing the, the substantive issues that are related to the election. And as you, as you get into the, the system architecture and as it goes from that system, ESNS or Dominion or what, ha what have you, to even CIDL and CIDL to Edison, Edison up to the news sources, you have to be able to trace, as you said, look at, start at an endpoint of some, of some endpoint and go backwards or go forward. You have to have some sort of area by which you can actually prove that something does or does not exist. And some of the things that happened in Maricopa County that also happened in Mesa that have happened in other states and that we've looked at is the log deletion and the setting them up so they would delete those logs. Because in systems, you look at making the mark on the, on the board. And if you can walk back and you're, you're doing it on a systematic approach, you're erasing those logs across different elements, you in essence could make it disappear completely and make it look as if nobody was ever there to begin with. And so when we look at the mathematics, and, and I'm not going to talk about the polynomial curves or any of the other things that you talk about on a fixed point graph, but if you can add a fourth or a fifth dimension to some of those numbers, you can start seeing that, that if I, and, and I'm going to use that as an example because, and you and I have never talked about this, seven, seven votes for, and I believe this is what happened in your election because I, I was actually looking into that again today, um, is seven, seven votes for, and, and you talked about it, actually. Uh, his went up 20%. Yours went down 50%, right? Seven votes for Trump, three votes for Biden. Let's hypothetically say that's a 70-30 split, right? Well, what I can do, and this is backed up from some of the behavioral deviations we saw in Maricopa County and some of the other things that I was, I've been able to verify about what happened in Maricopa County, if I had 1,000 ballots to Biden and 1,000 ballots to Trump, I now have 1,003 and 1,007. I now am at effectively a 50-50. It becomes much easier for us to steal that election. And the reason why I was able to prove this back inside of using math, using mathematical, mathematical probabilities and what we saw happen over time in Maricopa is because if you even go back to the behavioral deviation, all the boxes in Maricopa were open. 
All of them. It's in the report. Every single box except for the boxes that were sealed that were supposed to be done under a um, risk-limited audit, they were all open, and different precincts were in every box. What's really easy to back in those 1,000 ballots on both sides to get those ballots, you get really close to a number and create enough chaos where you can adversely affect that election. So, and I think some of the th things we saw in the canvassing proves that out. Now, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm trying to say that, you know, I've looked at every aspect of this. I've looked at the behaviors of people and stuffing ballot boxes, which is what they want us to concentrate on, and the mathematical probability of affecting election at a mass scale like they did by having 1,000 people involved is slim to none. Slim left town and none died. Mathematical probability of that happening is almost non-existent. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means that I don't believe that there was a spider web of 1,000 or 10,000 people across the nation that caused the election to be stolen. But as you start looking well, well, at these key inconsistencies, you see them. You see, you can see well, it. One of the significant things, Joe um, and David, is the National uh, Association of State Election Directors, an organization called NASED, NASED. People can look them up. They're based out of D.C. Every state election director belongs to NASED. Okay. Uh, what came out in our findings in Massachusetts is NASED. The president of it is now the state election director of Massachusetts. Okay, NAS, mm -hmm. the state election directors are the ones getting back to your question on machines, who are the ones who certify these machines. One of the things we need to understand is the software on these machines, you know, things like anything near the concept of having a weighted race feature. Why are those being certified? Okay, these are questions that need to these are like big questions. We also need to ask when, when you look at an organization like NASID, uh, why are the, uh, you know, organizations like Pierre Omidyar, why are the, um, you know, the Fox News, uh, uh, I forget their names, the, the last names, uh, uh, the Murdochs funding these organizations, okay? So NASID is a very powerful organization, the state election directors, which are the ones who certify voting machines. Another important thing to understand is that in Maricopa, you know, third parties have access to these voter registration systems. And um, some states, um, uh, you know, and in some states this creates a huge vulnerability. In Maricopa, the auditors were not given access to investigate the potential breaches of these, okay? This is a very, very substantial issue. And these are big issues. These are big elephants in the room. You know, talking about ghost voters in a university and putting 89.7% up there and scaring people and asking for money, this is a complete deviation, a distraction from the big issues on the table here. And those issues are here. So when you talk about, you talk about it's really the ballot chain of custody. And these are prosecutorial issues. You know, there are uh, issues that were supposed to be in that report that people have been trying to get to the attorney general for example, having to do with the box uh, fact when people go to the uh, mailboxes, you know, to get the ballots, two people are supposed to go. Things are supposed to be recorded properly. The ballot chain of custody is a very, very significant issue. So in my view, I look at it when you say the voting machines, Joe, I see the whole thing as one system. And in my view, there are so much squishiness along those points there are multiple opportunities for vulnerabilities. We have to take a systems approach. There are multiple holes in the dike. So if you plug up this hole, someone can come in this way, 
right? And someone can, so we really need to take a systems approach. I mean, look at when the space shuttle blew up, you had the O-rings, one little mm -hmm. O-ring, which interconnected the solid rocket boosters. And there Chamber was one whistleblower there, Alan McDonald. He wouldn't sign off on it. And when he died recently, six months ago, he said the most important thing in life is to do the right thing, say the right thing at the right time to the right people. And there are substantial issues here. So we need to say the right thing at the right time to the right people. So chain of custody, what you're referring to, where are the SOPs? And I encourage all the people who are funding this, individuals as plus people put a lot of money out there, you have to start looking at these issues and we will be focusing, our institute's gonna focus on them, but there are many, many substantial issues that we need to focus on, but we can't do that if there's, like you said, there's all this noise, this noise well, out there and you have to hunt for the signal. Well, I think what was interesting in all this is that you know, I was a tech CEO for a large data company that I built from a cocktail napkin, right? So I did that. And I'm a subject matter expert on system architecture. And we were one of the largest first party data aggregators in the nation, sans Google. We, we collect billions and billions of data points every hour. And as we walk, start, we start walking through this, I said to everyone, let me take a look at it. And Dr. Shiva, do you know how many times people said, hey, Joe, yeah, can you take a look at this? Never. Nobody, nobody took me up on it, and I didn't ask to be paid for anything. I just said, look, I, I know system, I know how to look in, under the hood. Let me take a look under the hood. Let me, let, me, let me show you what I can see. And I think one of the frustrating parts about this for me is that I don't believe that any one man will save this country or stop the election fraud that exists in our country in all 50 states, but I think collectively if we can stand together, we can come up to, with a solution where you look at the substantive issues. And so that, you know, after talking to you on the phone, it was a breath of fresh air because we're actually talking about being much more mature in how we look at the data and make sure that it's right, that the data is right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think I think, look, I think we've beat a dead horse here. I hope everyone out there who's listening uh, recognizes that we don't want to support the grifting anymore. It is very, very uh, destructive to people who are actually wanting to do the real work. And we're at a very important point in American history because with the consolidation with, or with the advent of technology, with the amount of effort that's gone in with mail-in ballots and all this stuff, there's many moving parts here. The good news is that there is an emergent group, uh, Joe and David, of serious people who've come up and we need to make sure this vocal minority who is taking advantage of the election integrity movement is frankly pushed aside and they need to go actually find some real work to do in their lives because this is too important of an issue for this to become some entertainment and some theater. So what I hope to do in the next part is to really go through these issues. So we wanna now bring to the forefront for policymakers, legislators, uh, attorney generals, hey, these are the real issues. These are the big elephants. And these are the things that you need to go focus on right now. And these are prosecutorial issues. And we have them even in Maricopa, to your point, David, it's not like we have to save something. It's already there. We just need to bring it up and let the crap go away. So if we can do yeah. that, I think we can, we can use Maricopa. And I want to thank all those people who did put a lot of effort. There were some very courageous people. You know, I did the in initial analysis when I was at that hearing that brought some of this out there, but more importantly, there are substantive issues, and I believe people on the left and the right 
will both benefit from this. So I think we're in a very good space as we move into the next phase of this. So I hope we've cleared the decks here. And those of you um, who funded this, uh, the grifting, go ask for your money back. Yeah, well, and let me chime in really quick, Joe and Dr. Shiva, um, because one of the frustrations that we're seeing is, you know, I think Dr. Shiva behind the scenes, and I don't know what you can share publicly about who's cutting the checks, because you, you've had to have some difficult conversations while the audit was occurring. And we're hearing stuff like, well, man, if we would have just checked out the cast vote images earlier on, I could have had that resolved in 10 days. I could have had that done in April. And I think of all the lost time and costs that were associated by not doing things that, so this isn't 2020 hindsight. This is something that you would have identified early on. So if I could ask you this but, but question. David, you, David, in my um, own election, the first thing I asked for was for the ballot images. I mean, yeah. you look at it from a so, systems problem, you go, you go to the source of the crime, right? Which is, mm -hmm. I have the tabulated votes. What's the thing that was used to tabulate those votes? It's a ballot images. So I, I guess my, my question is, I have not gotten an answer why you didn't give me the ballot images. Okay, it and so we're talking about Doug Logan, right? With, with Cyber Ninjas. Doug should be here. You know, we should get Doug on here because uh, I've had to ask Doug why and he hasn't given me an answer. So I can, and I can arrange I, that. Yeah, I think, I think Doug needs to come here and really because we should have done the ballot images like that in April 21st, okay? And then you, you compare the ballot images with the ballot scans, okay? And maybe people are now running around because I've been saying this to go do this and maybe they're gonna produce some data, God knows what, but we have the infrastructure here to do that and we could have done that in you know pennies on the dollar. But at this point, we, I think the bigger question that you're asking, David, is this that this is not a tough problem. It's a, it's a basic engineering systems exercise. And I really have to wonder, and it really, really pains me because we had everything set up. We signed contracts. We never got paid for it. We did the work. Okay. We, we sucked up all the CVR records. It's only recently we've got the images and it's very fast to do this. And there is no reason that that did not get done. There's no reason the other people who wanted the microscope images still have not gotten done. I mean, when I asked Doug for it, Doug said, you know, more, more recently, oh, I couldn't get the disk drives. Well, someone else paid for the disk drives. I would have paid for the disk drives, not a lot of money. So there are some serious issues here. Meanwhile, you have individuals like I just went through here making a lot of noise about nothing burgers. And it's and, and that's why we need to focus this, because I think there are some there are some good people in the attorney general's office who are very serious people who are committed to this country. But if they have to go through 3000 pages of crap, they're going to get tired of it. And what I just showed you in those diagrams is rubbish. And so if you're going through rubbish. And to find a few pearls and you have a limited amount of staff, a limited amount of time, you're going to run out the clock. Remember, it's 22 months. Where are we right now? Election was November 4th, 2020. We're now into what? Uh, 12, 13, we have about nine months left. So nine months, you know, you can't really, the 22 months are over. So uh, we don't have a lot of time. If you look at Maricopa, 
or the general election for 2020. Dr. Shiva, there's been uh, all the logs in Maricopa County are, well, a vast majority of them are either missing or have been overwritten. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, look, it comes down to the entire issue with the issue of the entire systems processes here. You know, these are substantive issues that you're bringing up, Joe. That's what people should be talking about. Front page news on all these social media things. Where are the logs? Where are the logs? Why were they deleted? Right. And, and, and that's what I do why, on the tech side. When, when I want right, to fix something on the tech side. You go look go at the through, logs. We always look at the logs. We always look at the logs. And so I knew as the further we get into this is that there, there are architectural problems. And these are smart people that built these machines. These are smart people. I mean, albeit half, half the code in the Dominion systems were built in Serbia, if not more. But these, these are not stupid people. They understand system risk. They understand how to mitigate those risks. And so I, I, I find it very difficult, like I do in the audits, I find it difficult to explain away incompetence and or, oops, I made a mistake. And I think that that's, you know, that's the issue as I start going through this. And after talking to you, I want to schedule a secondary follow-up to what the substantive issues are, and let's get everybody laser focused well, on those yeah, things because so, we're running so out of time. You see some of the, yeah. So yeah, um, you see some of those substantive issues here. I'm sure there are more, uh, but I think there's a way to take these substantive issues, and I think the opportunity is we need to focus these into some big, what I call the big elephants, right? Right. And we need to represent this. Um, because the data is there, the um, the opportunity is still there. So people should not feel hopeless. In fact, we should have a lot of hope. And the hope is that first we begin with eliminating the noise. Now we can go to the signal. So uh, I'm glad we did this. And I want to invite everyone. You know, our Election Systems uh, Integrity Institute is, is really going to be dedicated to competing in many ways with the Harvard Belfer School, which denies there's any election fraud issues competing with the Stanford Internet Observatory, who denies there's any election fraud, wants to compete with my colleagues over at MIT who deny there's any election fraud. But we need a substantive set of real uh, rigor in this. And it's a huge opportunity for virgin research. It's a huge opportunity for people who are dedicated to this. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be using this institute to really publish real peer-reviewed research. And we have probably three papers that are going to be coming out in the next 90 days that the goal is to get them into sub, uh, substantial journals. One is going to be in the signature verification area. Another is going to be in the area of some of the ballot chain custody issues. And the other is going to be really in the area of image processing. But you have to go through the peer review. You have to go through the rigor and get these published. And to all of you guys listening out there, stop funding grifters. Tell them to go get a real job, okay? These people are frankly not good. And don't fund them anymore. And don't try to convince me, some of you, why you have to fund them, okay? Um, don't try to rationalize bad behavior, period. Yeah, so... Thank you. I, so I, I want to have another... I don't know if we can you know, set a time frame to say that next Thursday we'll have a conversation about the big elephants in the room. But uh, based on all the questions that are coming in, they're all asking for the, the great elephant in the room. So I think we should get straight to that straight away. I know that I have some information that I can contribute to that as there are others. Um, I, I'm really concerned we talk about the, you know, Harvard and MIT saying that there's no election fraud, nothing to see here. And I'm, I'm a math guy. 
and it doesn't take well, me very very long to figure out that that they're that the election fraud is massive. It's not small. It's this, massive. This, the, def- the Defending Democracy Project, right out of, the, if you can see it right out, right out of yeah. the Belfer School. The Belfer School. Kennedy Center, School. Yeah. Yes, it's called the Defending Democracy Project. Started uh, in 2018. Get the, the main director, one of the main directors of that is Robbie Mook, Clinton's former campaign manager. And this institute was created to not only deny election fraud, but also to create an unholy alliance with big tech that if anyone brought up election fraud, they would be branded as an IO. And what the long fuse report out of Stanford said was that myself and four, five other people were branded as a leading uh, repeat spreaders of information. Myself, Donald Trump, James O'Keefe, and we were being surveillance since Ju- uh, July of 2020. It's documented in those 300 pages. So the censorship issue the censorship infrastructure was designed to attack anyone who raised substantial real questions so that's why these grifters we as a movement need to also isolate them because they're playing into the hands of these guys because this election fraud handbook is what it's called the election influence operations playbook for understanding election misinformation and disinformation so when you have the nothing burgers I just showed you, this is actually right feeding them misinformation and yeah. disinformation. Why would you say that ghost voters are in Arizona? You're feeding right into these guys so they can brand all of us as doing shit work. Excuse my language. Okay. But this was created at the Belfer Institute. So if you are spreading that kind of stuff, you're basically feeding the machine here so it can say aha we see this and it is disinformation that is misinformation it is misrepresentation it is frankly egregious misrepresentation and we as a movement if we're serious about this have to call out the garbage you can't talk about fake unity i agree with you david people have been oh we all need to be unified no we don't need to be unified no unity but the people that are serious about it should be unified yeah, but not, we're not here to cover up, you know, bad people and to say, oh, yeah, they're one of our brothers. We're going to let them also, you know, get away. But no way. These people say one thing and do another. So we got to get clear. There are three sides to the problem in the modern day world. The people who deny you just the problem, punch me in the face, Dr. Shiva. I just want you to know you just punched me in the face. <laughs> you, what like is that? Drop, you like dropped the bomb and you literally just punch me right in the face with a bomb, like right in my face. I mean, <laughs> sorry about that. Well, I'm telling you the reason, the reason the world doesn't change. If you, if you believe in the Christian, uh, tradition, you know, Christ's enemies were not the Roman establishment. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. Yep. And we have the not so obvious establishment. If you go look at any of the movements, right. Only do you, you have the people who deny the problem. Then you have the people who know the problem is they grift off of it. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And then there are people who actually understand the real problem and want to really solve it. And so we're living in, a, in an era of this very important point in human development where we need to call out both of these wings. And it's really, really important to do this because we have to do the right thing at the right time. It's not, not like waiting, oh yeah, now I'm going to call out Fauci. Well, wh- where were you in 2020, all these doctors? Too little, too late. Where were you calling out the real election fraud in 2020. Mark Meadows called me 
You know, Rona McDaniel's office called me, Eric Trump called me. After we called it out, we asked them for data. They never gave us data. I was a total Trump loyalist, okay? $300, $500 million was raised by Save America. Where's that money gone? And if you think asking that you're being anti-Trump, well, something's wrong with you. I'm not anti-Trump or pro-Trump, I'm pro this country. So we gotta get out of these cults. We gotta, the question that we're at right now today is, do you wanna fight for you? Stop following grifters, start thinking about how we're gonna build a real movement and the movement can only be built based on actual truth, actual freedom and actual healthy, you know, fundamental systems, infrastructure. So it's time to wake up, man. Otherwise, we're all going to be misled. We're all going to enter into greater uh, the dark ages. You know, we did a we just did this thing on. It's called the real Robert F. Kennedy. Okay, people should go read it. Okay, he's a not so obvious establishment, and in every one of these movements, we have this right now, and that we are in the age of discernment. The future of our existence is: Do you have the discernment to have the wisdom and to have the courage to call out these grifters? If you don't have that courage and that discernment, then you're going to live in a world of bullshit. And that's the selection systems integrity issue, the issue with medical freedom, the issue, these two issues and the issue with censorship are very, very closely connected. That's why the movement, you know, we've created is truth, freedom and health. We got to fight against censorship. We've already big time lost that with what's happened out of Harvard. We have that we're fighting truth for right now because we have pay to play science. We have pay to pay people in this own movement, <laughs> you know? And well, we're I've never taken a dollar from anybody. I, and I'm terrible but at that, sponsors. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, look, me, it's not about, people should be paid for good work, okay? Yeah. You do good work, great craftsmen, there's great carpenters, there's great electricians, but we should not be paying people who do crap work, okay? We need to have discernment. Yeah, I would just say that thank you, Dr. Shiva, for for spending so much time with us. Joe, thanks for moderating this discussion. I mean, some of the elephants in the room outside of the tech world is we got to talk about who finances the Maricopa audit. We have to talk about that because of how money is being spent. There has been a there has been a violation of, of the trust on who's cutting checks. We need clean books. And so uh, I'm going to in, in the spirit of what Dr. Shiva is talking about, we have to have a discussion with the America Project. We have to have a discussion with Patrick Byrne. We got to have a discussion with General Michael Flynn. We got to have make Doug all Logan. that happen. We can, have, we can have a show here where we actually discuss it wide open and in, in front of everyone. And I think that because and, there's and frankly, look, look, let me let me just say I know I don't. Let me just say for the record, I can only speak to what I know. Okay, so I am not aware of all those things, David, and I know you and Joe have been investigating that. And I think it's important to yeah. do that. But what I do want is to all the people who, who, whether you gave $1 or whether you gave $5 or whether you gave $3 million or $5 million, you have to, uh, based on what you've heard today, and anyone's welcome to call me, you have to disengage and disassociate from these people who've taken advantage of you. And you cannot enable this. You're enabling like an alcoholic. So whether you did it out of ignorance, whether you did it out of, you have a lot of money, $200,000 doesn't mean much, it's a fraction, whatever you did it for, uh, after what you've heard today and what we're gonna continue to do, it's time to get on the right track. You know, It's time to redeem 
your, for your own self, whatever, whatever, whatever got you to this point, we have a significant opportunity still. So I want to encourage people to reflect on what we've talked about and frankly, come clean. And that's my biggest problem here is the past four or five months when we were waiting so anxiously for the Maricopa report, um, just from the outset, it, it just was it was disappointing and it didn't need to be disappointing. And I think we could have averted so much if if we didn't have people hiding behind NDAs, et cetera. And uh, so because the truth's going to come out one way or the other. But I think we've got an opportunity to course correct. So thanks for letting me sit in on the panel, Joe, Dr. Shiva. I learned a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, and we'll right. set something up, Dr. Shiva, if we can do it next week, I'll be in touch with you this week so we can discuss some other things. David, thank you very much for giving time as well. And Dr. Shiva, I hope you will run again for Senate after we fix these election machines before. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still registered to run. The issue is, you know, given the elections or selections, um, you know, what we have created, and this is a, uh, for all your audience to understand, people want to that again. Truth. Can you hear me? No, say it again. The, the part about elections are? Elections are selections. You know, that's my uh, current issue until these issues are really fixed. Um, so, you know, I've been asked to run for governor here in Massachusetts. It's something I announced I was going to do, but then I had to step back and reflect, how would I run? You know, uh, Trump actually went and endorsed a guy in Massachusetts who 90 days ago said there is no election fraud and Trump should stop crying over spilt milk. And I had two meetings with uh, Trump on this. Okay, why did you endorse this guy? Well, I had to do it because I didn't know you were running and da 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 da. Right? And uh, so you have a lot of contradictions here. The Massachusetts GOP is the one who conducted election fraud. The candidate that he endorsed said, "We have it on video." He said he should stop crying over spilt milk. So you still have Trump making horrible endorsements, and this is part of that's part of grifting. It's another aspect of grifting. And so critiquing uh, Trump on this issue is something that's necessary. And it's, it's part of your patriotic duty. You, can't, you know, cannot be supporting people who deny that there's no issues and we're part of the fraud. It, that's how of a betrayal it was to us, Joe, for all the 3,000, 4,000 working people who did our campaign. So if we're going to run for office, um, we're going to do it as part of to build a movement and we have created a movement. We have close to 100,000 people globally that I'm educating on the science of systems. It's called truthfreedomhealth.com. And our view is that we need to create a movement where everyday people understand how systems work. The elites at Harvard and throughout the world, they've trained about 8,000 people who understand how to play the chess game 10 steps ahead. So we've created that curriculum. We've created an infrastructure where people can build community and we're teaching people how to be activists on the ground. It's neighbor to neighbor. So we have to rethink this whole electoral process. How does change really come? So if I decide to run, it will be to build a movement. And that's what I encourage people to do. Start thinking about local building movements. I mean, the way the election systems are set up, you know, history shows a great change never came from elections. It came from bottoms up movements. Well, we um, at FEC United, which is an organization I built in early or mid 2020, um, you know, we have over 300,000 members and we're connecting with all sorts of organizations across the country and, and are doing some great things all across the country. So I'd be happy to use that organization to help you if you ran for office or just help you 
in getting people to understand these systems and how the fraud occurs. So yeah, I think I, that I think that's probably the first step because we need to create a bulk of people start understanding how systems work. The good news is we've created that curriculum made it very, very accessible and affordable and, and to anyone. We have a, a woman who's a hairdresser in New Jersey who can teach the system science course as good or as better as I can. So the goal is we've made it accessible to everyone. And when people understand the science of systems, then they have a nuclear weapon. Otherwise we're fighting with bows and arrows against the establishment. We're never gonna win. So we have to educate people on a different level now. And the school systems aren't doing it. I'm all for it. All right. Dr. Shiva, right, guys. David Clements, God bless you both. And thank Thanks, you David. for coming on the thank show. Best to everyone. And again, you. you know, everyone uh, should understand that uh, we need to uh, move in the right direction. We have a and huge we'll, opportunity. And we'll have another one of these roundtables. We'll have a conversation about who's going to be on them. We'll try to broker some conversations, David, with, with others. And let's just get to the bottom of it. If we're all chasing mission and mission should be election integrity, then there shouldn't be any hurt feelings. We should just get to accountability. And 2022 is a year of accountability. Thank you both, gentlemen. Appreciate you very much. Thank you. Amen. Be well. Thanks. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm catching a little bit of flack in here, Joe. What are you doing, Joe? Joe, what are you doing? What? Why? Why are you doing this? Because I care about truth. Because, frankly, all I care about is truth. See, I didn't get in this fight in 2020 because I woke up one day and said, "You know what? I think it's a great idea to get involved in politics." I mean, my job nine to five. I don't really like it. This might be fun. I might get some advertising clicks out of it. Maybe I'll be known. Oh, that's, that's what I want. I want notoriety. Well, I was gaining notoriety in the tech industry, and I shunned it. A two-time Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year nominee. I was a finalist in 2020. We've gotten multiple awards over the last nine years. I had served my community. My notoriety came when I stepped on a football field with guys that were playing football in inner cities. My notoriety came when I did things and served my community. My notoriety came when I went to church and handed out food. My notoriety came in ways that I didn't have to get any notoriety. So I stepped in this fight because I wanted truth. I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure this poor kid from Washington, D.C. One thing I love about Dr. Shiva is that, is that he grew up in this caste system at the very bottom. I grew up one of eight. My dad's black, my mom's white, my whole family's interracial. You've heard the story. My brother was murdered by a police officer. So can I have the same opportunity? Can, I, can, I, can somebody else down the road have the same opportunity that I was afforded coming from that place to, get, to have as much blessings as I've had in my life? And the answer is, in the future, it wasn't looking so bright. And it wasn't about President Trump getting reelected. It was about the fact that they stole the voice of the American people, and they had been doing it for a long time. And so when I had Dr. Shiva on, when I had David Clements on, it's to iron sharpens iron. Can we talk about the hard facts? And can you actually listen to those facts and decide for yourself what you believe or don't believe? You cannot explain away some of the things that Dr. Shiva said. And by the way, we're taking off small bites, not big bites. So we'll have another one of these next week. And we'll sit down and walk through the substantive big elephants in the room that we have to get to the bottom of. You heard him say that we have selections, not elections. That's at every part of government. So I'm a very patient person. We'll put that all together. 
will come together. We'll build an architectural view so it's easy to see. And once we look at it, it'll be very hard for the radical left or the people on the establishment to ignore it. One of the things that he said is both sides of the aisle are cheating, and they're cheating together, picking their races, picking it. They're negotiating out who gets to rule over who in our society. Those are my words, not Dr. Shiva's words. I simplify things. I want you to know that at the end of the day, I care about the American people. I don't stay up until 10 o'clock at night, which is midnight for some of you on the East Coast. I don't do 24-hour uh, telethons and try to raise money for an organization of which doesn't pay me. I don't go out and speak to you about election integrity and talk to you about truth because somewhere along the line, it benefits me financially. It doesn't. But what does is knowing that one day we will look back collectively and the legacy of the nation of people that have made sacrifices for hundreds of years will be preserved. I'm going to end this by saying this. We have to add in a sponsor to this. I'm going to, I'm going to just tell you right now, my sponsor choice right now is Mike Lindell and MyPillow. You may not like all the decisions that he makes, but Mike Lindell has, has stood up tirelessly for this nation with nothing to gain. So you can go to MyPillow and use CD21. That's Charlie David 21. Save up to 66%. Heck, you don't even have to use a code. Pay full price and support Mike Lindell. He has stood up for our faith, our freedom, and some of the things that I believe, uh, Dr. Shiva's right, we've lost a lot of those things. We've already lost our First Amendment. We're living in a world where it's a totalitarian regime, where corporate interest and government interest have now unified themselves against the American people. But it doesn't have to stay that way. We can take it back. Till tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., Bright and early, I got a lot to discuss tomorrow. But in the meantime, take care of each other, get to know your neighbors, step out, be an ambassador for truth, and get on your knees and pray. Pray for this country, pray for our leaders, and pray that all truth will be revealed. God bless you.